Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Infinite Jest Book Club and podcast and support group and fellowship. This is season two, episode three, and I am joined, as usual, by Kevin. Kevin, how are you? Good, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Sunday night, 7.30. Yeah, what could be better? Like we drew it up. Yeah, we've uh, kind of had some goofy schedule stuff with the Super Bowl and all of that. But thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. We are going to finish this book sometime this year, um, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, tonight's reading, I don't know. It seems, at least to me, Kevin, like, for the last two or three or maybe more of these, it, it seems like we're reading the same thing. Do you feel like that? Kind of, yeah, a little bit, you're right. Like, it's, I get confused and I know, you know, even in the podcast, I'll be like talking about something that happens two chapters later because, you know, it's like I read it and then I'll reread it, but then I forget and the narrative is happening in that, but there's all this, these inserts, so to speak. Um, but we are, uh, today we are f- starting on 575? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, but I don't think we got the Orin part down last time, if I remember. I don't think <clears throat> so, yeah. no. We, um, did we, it, uh, Yes, so we finished with Arslanian yeah, uh, getting getting swindled out of clean piss. Um, so yes, it was strange upon strange. It was almost as if the legless and pathologically shy punting groupies were somehow afraid of moments Juno-esque Ms. Steeply. Oren had seen his last wheelchair the, do- the day before she came up, and now, he realized, driving... It was only hours after she'd left that they were now back with their shy ruses. Um, so I, I think pretty safe in assuming that these are not groupies. They are, you know, whether FLQ, AFR, or whatever, whatever the damn. Um, yeah. Um, the excitement. Hope acquisition contempt cycle of seduction always left Oren stunned and wrung out and not at his quickest on the uptake. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know, I I, I know we've talked a lot about Oren and his seductions, etc. But, like... Say what you want. Oren's fucked up in the head somehow, you know, and and I think we can probably trace it back to the moms, um, you know, whatever. What do you think happened, Kevin? I, I'm not willing to go so far as to say that Oren was fucking his mom. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he may, you know, I'm at least confident or I'm at least, I feel at least comfortable saying that he kind of suffers from the same thing that Hal suffers with moms is, you know, just kind of a quest for total approval. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and maybe on a different 
level or a different plane that maybe Hal was, you know, looking more for like the brain sort of side of things and maybe Oren's like on a little bit of a different level. But I think, I think I'm at least comfortable saying that and, you know, kind yeah. of messed up from it. I, I would totally agree that, um, yeah, while I think Hal certainly lives for his mother's affirmation and approval, um, you know, maybe on the other side of it, Oren has more of the negative things, you know, in that Oren is utterly destroyed when his mom fucks his friends. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, you know, you can't blame him, really. It's kind of I, I don't know. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, none <laughs> of my friends have ever fucked my mom. Um, if they did, I didn't know about it, like, contemporarily, which, I mean, that's got to be fucking awful. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I do think there's a part of that. And Oren really seems to be like I said, fucked up suffering from some sort of trauma yeah. that has left him. I mean, I don't think this is controversial, but it, it's left him unable to have a healthy relationship with a woman. Um, I mean, or he's even, he's even like, um, has the same thing for his father. You know, he wants the same approval from himself also, you know? Yeah. He, that, that's a good point. I was I was going to say he um, correct myself. It, it, he's not unable to have a normal relationship with a woman. He's unable to have a normal relationship with a person because he <laughs> yeah. can't even recognize Hugh Steeply as not a woman. Yeah. But um, neither can the whole football team. So what do I don't even know what to make of that? You know what I mean? Is that I, I, yeah? Part of me Maybe wonders is that the football that. team fucking with the punter? Yeah, it could be. It could be. You're right about that. Yeah. Um, I take I take the words like kind of so literally sometimes that if it's said, I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's true. You know, Dave wrote it. So that means that, you know. Well, and also if it's coming from Oren's point of view, he doesn't fucking know. Yeah. You know, he 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 can't read nuance for sure. Yeah, true. Um, but would you say that maybe Oren has the same needs of his father that Hal has of his mother? Like that need for approval, affirmation? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think it could be said, really. I always go back to when, you know, he first started dating Joelle and, you know, he was saying like, you know, I, I have to introduce you to my father. He's going to, he's going to have yeah. to introduce you. You know, like yeah, Dad, you gotta you gotta get her in movies. Yeah, he he's gonna you know, and that was like the thing that was the you know like she was going to be like the end to this idyllic relationship that he was hoping to have with his dad. And what do you make, or you know, and I know not a ton has been done yet about it, but what do you make about Hal's relationship with his father? <sighs> I mean, you're right, not a lot has been made of it. It really, I mean, aside from maybe tennis at a younger age, but it really, he doesn't really go into it a ton. You know, right. I mean, there's the professional conversationalist scene, yeah. which isn't, 
exactly enlightening in terms of, you know, like, like we talked about Hal doesn't recognize that it's his father until he does. And then he's like, Oh, what a fucking doofus. How does he think I wouldn't know yeah. it? You know? And Hal was kind of young, you know, through before himself really kind of went off the deep end, you know, like he was still, what was he? 13 when he died. I think so. Yeah. That. So it was like, you know, he was probably, you know, nine when, you know, when he was really starting to maybe like get out, get into the film and stuff like that. So. And why do you think that himself has really identified how, or, you know, or, or really almost identified as his life's work breaking through this conversation barrier with him. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I agree. Those, uh, some things we can keep an eye on. I just, you know, I feel like we talk about so much micro stuff as it happens. And, you know, the book is a fucking doorstop. So, yeah. um, cool. All right. Well, uh, so, yeah, Oren is... Uh, heading back to Phoenix and he notices uh, wheelchairs around. Um, so, I mean, it's, of, of course it, it makes sense that they have given steeply her, no pun intended, but wide berth to, you know, conduct her operations. Yeah. Um, but now that she's gone and it's no coincidence, they know she's gone. They are back. Um, and that it curtwanged on him that the handicapped man at the hotel room's door had had a wheelchair, that it was the first wheelchair he'd seen since Hald hit him with his theory, and that the legless surveyor had had stranger the same Swiss accent as the hand model. Yeah. Paragraph break en <laughs> route. Our lens's mouth writhes and he scratches at the little rhythmophemic rash and sniffs terribly and complains of terrible late autumn leaf mold allergies, forgetting that Bruce Green knows all too well what coke hydrolysis's symptoms are from having done so many lines himself back when life with M. Bonk was one big party. Um. So, yeah, Lens, as is his want, is just blah, 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 <laughs> gas to the gills. <laughs> Cracking and, me up, man. <laughs> it, it, it is like a, so lo funny. a lot of the shit that he says is very funny. Um, but, you know, a lot of it is braggadocious. Um, you know, he knows uh, uh, Joel, Joel's Val is because of a condition she gets where she has one eye, like, right in the middle of her forehead. That reminds me, I saw your thing on Instagram, but it reminds me of um, when Gately's talking to her. He's like, you know, maybe one, and maybe it's not Gately, but someone says something like, like one giant tit right in the middle, like, um you know, so there's that shadow or echo of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's got one eye that's right in the middle of her forehead from birth, like a seahorse. Seahorses have two eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I mean, that's, yeah, that that's the funny part about it. Yeah. 
they he'll have an idea that is 195% fleshed out, but also completely fucking factually inaccurate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so here they're still working their way back. Um, Green acts as a lookout while Lens relieves himself against a Market Street dumpster. It, this was funny. While Green acts as lookout while Lens relieves himself. So this I had marked again as kind of a clue that neither one of them are narrating this because there's while green acts as lookout while lens relieves himself against a market street dumpster lens swears green to secrecy about how poor old scarred up you know so it's obviously yeah. the uh, the third uh third person but it's it's an observational third person yeah yeah um and you know more of the double triple bind you know, she swore me to secrecy, but I'm going to clue you in on it. Well, she swore me to secrecy, but I'm not going to, you know, so yeah. there's kind of that honor among thieves. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. I think, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I think Dave is always, uh, if there's like one likable character in, in this whole book, it's Bruce Green. And this is just, you know, that was like, to me, another like little like check in the column that Dave is like, you know, that footnote about how Green actually knew that because she told him, but she's not going to say anything, even though that Lentz knows kind of half the truth anyway, you know. So it is definitely, it's one of those things where I'm always like, you know, uh, Bruce is the best, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Green, uh, you know, ice salesman extraordinaire. Um you know, and and maybe, you know, having his heart broken by Ms. M. Bonk so early in life. Um, yeah, you, you kind of have to, I, I guess in this book, you do have to temper your good guy, bad guy sort of thing. Because um, you're like, well, yeah, Bruce Green, honorable fella. But should anybody be being honorable to Lens? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, all right, so they are detailing the uh, the walk home. Um, he shares with Green some painful family of origin issues about how Lens's mother, Mrs. Lens. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, a thrice divorcee and data processor was so unspeakably obese she had to make her own moo-moos out of brocade drapes and cotton tablecloths. All right, so here we get into this uh, beautiful story of uh, Mrs. Lenz on a Greyhound bus um, coming to visit her son who's in an adolescent halfway house. Uh no, uh, uh, Commonwealth Youth Correctional Facility. Youth Correctional Facility, right. Um, where I don't believe for one second Lenz was doing research. Um, I think that he was probably there for, if if I had to guess, he was maybe torturing kids to keep himself free from torture or 
you know, much like he does cocaine now to keep himself clean. Um, but yeah, she had to go potty and she was in the bus's tiny potty. And I just have to editorialize that. I think it is so funny when people use like go to the bathroom as like, like go to the bathroom to me is like the locomotion to the room where you urinate or defecate or whatever. Um, but like, you know, she had to go potty and she was in the bus's potty going about her private business of going potty. Yeah. Like I know I, um, I don't want to give it away any family members, but I do have one younger family member, um, a year younger than me who had not a fun issue of when he drank too much. And when I say too much, like a keg too much, he would um, go to the bathroom places that <laughs> weren't the bathroom. <laughs> and his wife was saying one day, she, I woke up and Chris was going to the bathroom in the top drawer. Well, he wasn't going to the bathroom. He was pissing. <laughs> like the bathroom is out in the hall. I know that. Um, so, yeah. As she later testified. So, so yeah, obviously Lenz is portraying this based upon his memories of court statements and everything else. But, um, but yeah, so Mrs. Lenz is in the bathroom and, um, somehow the bus loses its shit and she ends up losing her shit like it with her ass out the window and everything else um seems pretty ridiculous as usual um you're gonna have to refresh me have we already no we haven't we haven't okay Okay, I was kind of wondering if um, he was maybe just trying to one-up Bruce Green on Bruce Green's origin story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it, it doesn't seem as such. It's, um, it's not far off, though. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Lentz was pissed that you know he didn't have any story about how he was mute for all of middle school. Sure, yeah. you got to think like you know we've only heard some of these AA slash NA stories. You know, Lens has got to be like, fuck, man, I got to have something. Yeah. And again, I'm not disputing or debating all of this, but a, a lot of it seems pretty far fetched. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Jamie, I have a question. Do you guys call uh, up there in Rochester, do you call them chuck holes or potholes? Potholes. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'd never heard that word chuck hold before. I have uh, never. I, I was not familiar either. Yeah, I liked it. I said I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to add that into my, uh, you know, my lexicon. Of, you know. Yeah, you should. Yeah, we'll bring I, it back. They're no longer called potholes. They're just chuck holes. I like yeah, it. Yeah, the goddamn salt. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, just stop dumping salt on the road. Yeah, it's true. Just except uh, when it's needed, and then do it. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, salt. All salt does is lowers the freezing temperature of standing water. That's all it does. It doesn't melt ice. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't do anything. It lowers the freezing temperature of water. 
you know, turns it into salt water, essentially. Right. Right. Doesn't freeze. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, she won a seven-figure suit against the Greyhound lines. Um, And my favorite part about this is she lost all will to data process or cook or clean or nurture or finally even move. Simply reclining in a custom-designed one-and-a-half-meter-wide recliner, watching interlaced gothic romances, and consuming mammoth volumes of high-lipid pastry brought on gold trays by a pastry chef she'd had put at her individual 24-hour disposal. Um, Which is just, like, it's a funny way of saying to me that you know, money changes people. So to lens at least what this huge check did was, it was almost as if his mother to him was a data processor. (laughs) That was what she was. But then after this incident, she lost all will to process data. Um, I always have a hard time when people are like, what do you do? Oh, I do a ton of shit. You mean what do I do professionally, like to pay my bills? That's not who I am, but like, or what I do. Yeah, you know. But, but yeah, lens does not quite get that distinction. Um, And for as much as made about lens not getting any of the inheritance or the award, it doesn't seem like he's very employable or anything else but um so yeah uh four months after the huge settlement she ruptured and died her mouth so crammed with peach cobbler the paramedic paramedics were hapless to administer cpr which lentz lentz says he knows by the way cpr um thanks uh so so yeah now they're navigating alleys to stay north northwest presumably any idea why uh you know i feel like it was i feel like it was touched on but i i i have no i no clue off the top of my head i i, I don't either yeah, nothing yeah. just nothing like a tick yes or you know just partial ocd type of thing yeah yeah um all right. So yeah, they're 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 working and talking and zithering and there's the Hawaiian type music. Um and Hawaiian music is kinda peculiar. Um it's identifiable. Mm-hmm. Like I've never heard Hawaiian music. And been like, what is is that a polka? Is that a waltz? Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's Hawaiian music, and it is that that goofy string, etc. Um. So, so yeah, here they are. Um. And Len shares feelings, which is funny because that's um you know AA speak, and. I get the feeling that Lens hasn't shared shit of substance, let alone a line of Coke in an AA meeting. But 
yeah. here he is sharing with Bruce Green again, probably reinforcing to Lens how this is an integral part of his recovery. Yeah. Like, I can't talk in those meetings because those guys are fucked up. But if I do a couple lines on the way home with BG here, I can share my feelings and, and, it, and it really puts me in a better spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, they are working their way through. <laughs> Let's ask Green what it's like to work all day with ice at, at the leisure time ice and then himself theorizes on what it must be like. He'll bet. <laughs> it's like, you know, he just is like, you know, he probably looks over every five seconds to see if Bruce is still listening. And then it's just like on to the next thing. Like, yeah. So and it is. That's yeah. Thank you so much. Like, yeah. And again, if you've ever, I don't know that there's anything more insufferable than to be around someone on Coke if you're not on coke. I can imagine. Yeah. Because that's a perfect description. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, tell me tell me about the weather down there cuz what I've heard is um you know that you probably think like it's going to be bad and then when it's not bad you're like, "Well, what the fuck? I'm ready for it to be bad, but now it doesn't seem as bad." Does it is it a lot like that? Yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah, fucking nails. <laughs> like um yeah, kiss me where it smells, she said. So I took her to Austin, oh unquote. God. Like, so many bad jokes. Um, <laughs> and, all right, so there's uh, another uh, another VW bug. This, this house is funny, right? So on their walk here, they run into a VW, or they encounter a VW bug and a Montego. Um, which of course is Pat Montesian's car, but it's not Pat's car. Um, at the uh, at the Hawaiian slash Nux house, I believe that it is a Montego that terraces away. Yeah. yeah, which which is weird because it's pointed out what a rare car yeah, it is. An Adventura, isn't it? An Aventura. I Maybe think, I think so. The, you might be right. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the same as that one, but I'm not totally a hundred percent sure either. All right, you might be right. Nah. We'll, we'll have to check it out. Um. So yeah, so Brucey Green. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, he's. Uh, you get the feeling that this is all happening in his head because there's no fucking way that he could vocalize it to lens without being interrupted um so bruce green's natural parents deaths when he was a toddler are so deeply repressed that whole strata and substrata of silence and mute dumb animal suffering will have to be stripped mined up and dealt with a day at a time in sobriety for green even to remember how on his fifth xmas eve in waltham massachusetts his pop had taken the hydrant-sized little Bruce Green aside and given him to give his beloved mama for Xmas a gaily Gogwen-colored can of Poly Polynesian Mawana Lua brand macadamia nuts. 
Um, so, yeah. So, Brucey Green wraps up this fucking present really tight. And, and this is a really... I feel like anytime you read a sweet scene mm -hmm. or even a sweet idea, you're like, uh-oh, what's coming next? Because <laughs> there is just no unalloyed <laughs> sweetness. It's true. Um, so, yeah, uh, Mama Green eventually opens the damn thing thinking she's getting her nuts and a snake thing pops out and literally scares her to death. Right. Um, and of course the, uh, you know, the father laughs a little bit and then it's like, no, you're kind of overplaying it now. <laughs> you know, you got it, but it was funny. I appreciate that, but um, but she wasn't playing, and then she just fucking died. Yeah. Um, yeah, which like he's just like that's when he's like in the pocket of just writing, like 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 the mom's dead, and and just the father being like, all right, like this is a, I'm, I'm starting to give this a one out of eight on the on the gag scale. Yeah. Like it's just, he sets the scene and I just, it's just, you know, so. it's, there's a line in the Simpsons where someone says, do you think anything you don't say? <laughs> and I, I really think when Wallace was writing this, there was very little yeah. he thought, yeah. but didn't say, and, and I'm not complaining about that, yeah. but um, I think it may be, hurt him in um follow-up bids to this novel yeah yeah um so i, mean, I can't like honestly it's you know even just reading this bit like i don't even know how anybody would put like how you would be able to step into like this situation of writing like okay bruce and brandy all right, this is going to be like kind of a build up and this is what I'm going to write about, you know, uh, it, in this walk home and just, you know what I mean? Like where to draw the line, where to just keep going with another paragraph and another story and another, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. uh, like you say, he, he definitely emptied the tank, but it's, I just, some of this stuff, I just have, it's just amazing to me how he, thought of it you know just like. it is and i think a lot if not most a vast majority of it are just it, recall like i'm certain that he walked home from aa meetings and he probably walked these same blocks yeah and he probably had his head full of everything you know being from newly in recovery to accepting recovery to you know maybe being a leading recoverist you know someone who was you know as he describes someone who, that's somewhere in here bruce green says he was just 
amazed at the fact that he wasn't craving to get high anymore, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a fucking miracle when it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure Wallace went through those things, but yeah. also like how self-absorbed or whatever is it to put all of that in the fucking book? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it is, it's definitely, I read it and it's just, I'm like, you know, and then, then to be going through these three different worlds, you know, and then bouncing to the tennis Academy and kind of like, putting himself in that space, which I mean, Hey, he was there too, you know, so sure. It must've been very much then now he's thinking back and, um, you know, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's the detail of it and just, you know, just the funniness of it. You know, it's like he never, n- nothing funny ever happened to him that he didn't remember it and write it, you know, somehow weave it into this. Um, yeah. I, um, I read slaughterhouse five this week. Have you ever okay. read that? No. Oh my God, you should. Good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, my, um, wife, my wife is, uh, she likes that book. Yeah. Vonnegut, or she likes Vonnegut, yeah. or that book specifically? Yeah, both. Yeah, both. Yeah. That it's uh, this week was the anniversary of Dresden. Okay. Um, it was February 13th, 45. So I said, you know what? I haven't read that book in a while. So I read, oh my God, it's yeah. so fucking good. So yeah. fucking good. Um, I feel like it's like probably going to, it's like this, I always say, this book is like as sci-fi as I can get. You yes. know, it's rooted in just enough reality and, you know, and that I can believe the kind of the weirdness. And so anything that zags any much farther into what I kind of just say sci-fi, I just, I can't, I can't swallow it, you know? And, uh, and I feel like a lot of stuff kind of, no, that's a great point, Kevin, because I've I keep hearing uh Slaughterhouse Five ref- referred to as sci-fi. Yeah. I'm like, it's, not. it's not. I'm like, why? And it had been probably 10 years since I had read it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do they call it sci-fi? Mm-hmm. And then as I read it again, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess they call it sci-fi because Billy Pilgrim is but it's a Vonnegut thing where Traflagar, whatever the hell the country is, is just this idyllic world where, you know, he says um, when when people die on Earth, you know, people on Earth are like, oh, my God, they died. And, and he says, but but we know they just disappeared. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't see them anymore, but we know they didn't die. Okay. You know, because you can't. Um, but yeah, very, very good. But in now, when I read books like that again, that I am certain that Wallace read, yeah, I try to think of how they have influenced Infinite Jest. Totally. totally. And I um, think that going back to what I say is like how he came up with some of this stuff. It's like I haven't read enough other books to um to to kind of like to catch all his references you know what i mean because i'm sure like the only other book i really ever mess around with is on the road which i feel like even just like you know you read the first 25 30 pages and there's a lot of kind of that sort of crossover within this you know and 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 like that so it's like i'm sure 
there's a million other books that, you know, you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's reminding me of that bit or that, that, you know what I mean? And uh, I just haven't messed around with enough other stuff to kind of. On the road is gorgeous too. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's easy and fun, but um, yeah, Yeah. a lot, lot, seems like a lot of kind of weird influence, you know, um, on this, you know, I mean, it's a completely different thing. It's way. Like, Like I said, when I first identified, or recognized in that first chapter, the kind yeah. of homage to On the Road. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. How the fuck is Wallet? Like, yeah. this book has about as much to do with On the Road as, yeah. uh, um, but I guess I can see with Slaughterhouse-Five, Billy Pilgrim bouncing from world to world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, back in time, forward in time a lot, yeah. like The Wraith. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I'm literally. I can't wait to get to that that kind of part of this book. Once we kind of get there, we're we're headed there pretty quickly. But it seems you know, like I said, I haven't. That that's like the one bit that I really haven't put a lot of effort into really kind of reading about or like thinking about. I kind of just would go through it, and uh, this time I'm really interested to see. You know. Uh, yeah, me too. Because I I feel like a lot of times. You're two thirds of the way through this thing. You're like, whoo, downhill. Yeah. You know, let's put on. And it's also, it's like, it's like kind of like, let's get past this. I want to, like, you know what I mean? Like, this I want to is- see what happens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, after Bruce Green's mom dies, he utters not another out loud word until his last year of grade school, living with his aunt. Um. So I don't know if we maybe covered last time. Um. Bruce Green's dad was an aerobics instructor whose one leg kept growing shorter, much like the story they talk about at the halfway house. Uh, The guy who has one leg shorter than the other, who's shorter than the other, who's shorter than the other. And it's how can that be? Um, But Bruce Green's dad did have that allegedly. Um, And yeah, the obviously, you know, I, I think, the one thing that's clear to me, at least of this reading, Bruce Green's dad didn't mean to kill his mom. Not by a long shot. Yeah. Um, and yet Bruce Green's dad certainly lost his shit. And then put some, uh, what, explosives in some Blamo cigars and actually yes. kill people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So... So while he certainly did not mean to kill his wife, he did mean to at least hurt those people and et cetera. And so, uh, so, so yeah, Bruce Green, you know, sees his father or, you know, sees his mother die and then sees his father die or, you know, knows of his father's death. Yeah. Again, reminds me of They All Want to Play Hamlet, that poem by Carl Sandburg. They have not exactly seen their fathers killed, nor their mothers in a frame-up to kill. Um, and similarly to other stories we've seen, um, in addition to the, uh, the outgoing Blamo cigars, uh, VFW, three Rotarians, and 24 shri- Shriners had been grotesquely decapitated 
across southeastern Ohio before the federal ATF traced the grizzly fragments back to B. Green Sr.'s Blamo Lab in Waltham. This is before the anthrax thing, but it really reminded me a lot of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, they come across the Unexamined Life nightclub, which was Gately's haunt, right? Yep. And is that where Hal Black goes for Blind Bouncer Night? Yeah. Blind Bouncer Night? Yeah. All right. Um, and uh, then they hear some uh, Polynesian music or luau music. And he and Lens have become separated, he realizes. Mm. Now way southwest of Union on Calm, Green looks around at traffic and T-tracks and bar patrons and the uh, unexamined life's huge bottles, low neon flutter. He wonders whether he's somehow blown's len blown Lens off or whether Lens has blown him off. And that's all he wonders. That's the total complexity the speculation assumes. That's his thought for the moment. It's like the whole nut can and cigar traumas drained into some psychic sump at puberty, sank and left only an oily slick that catches the light in distorted ways. Mm. The warbly, that's a great word, the warbly Polynesian music's way clearer up here. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, he hears the music, uh, thinks about partying as a verb, um, and fucking Dooney Glenn. Or, uh, Glenn, no, Ducey. Yeah, Tommy Ducey. Yeah. He's a beauty. Um, so... Yeah, he comes across, Bruce Green comes across Lens, right? Like kind of fucking around with a dog or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the music is such that Green puts his fingers in his ears. While at the same time, he moves more urgently toward the Hawaiian music source. Um, uh, blue and white quin... Quinucker flag on a pole protruding from a window and serious JBL speakers. Yeah. Bruce Green's the type of person that can tell a JBL speaker and a Molson green bottle. Yeah. I just remember those words. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is funny because he, he describes the JBL speakers as having the, uh, the grates off the front of them, which if you've ever seen JBL speakers is a very distinct, like square pattern grate. And so like when you take the grates off, they really just look like regular old speakers. They're just speakers. You know? They're just wood speakers, you know? And it's like, it is funny because, um, you know, those grates are so like nothing else like it. You could spot them from a mile away. But the fact that like he describes them as not having the grates on it, it's like, wow, like, Bruce is so really he does know. freaking stereo gear. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, figures in plaid flannel, flannel or else floral Hawaiian shirts and those flower necklaces melt in and out of lit view. Now, I know it's been mentioned before that the Brazilians 
um, wear Hawaiian shirts. And we know that Lens is not on good terms with the Brazilians yeah. one way or the other. Um, you know, so you kind of, I mean, you don't have to wonder, but it's, this is a sickness and addiction that it is eating at Lens. Um, you know, this compulsion, this psychosis that started with, you know, I, I don't know, tap dancing on mice has suddenly become a literal physical need yeah. to do harm and to actually kill large mammals. Um, you know, and I'm not going to put myself on the record um, quantifying swatting a fly or, you know, beating a, a bear to death with a baseball bat. Sure. I mean, probably neither are ideal, but I do think, you know, they don't sell, they don't sell dog traps like they do mouse traps at Wegmans. <laughs> um, so at least in our society, there is a difference, but Lens doesn't even notice the, the locale. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've got to imagine there's enough dogs, random dogs, but here he goes to this place that has a rip roaring party. Yeah. You know, and it is, I think, just a symptom of the sickness, the psychosis that he realizes that he ditched Bruce Green and he has a very small window yeah. with which to take his medicine. Yeah. Um, but of course, Bruce Green is watching. Uh, something about Randy Lenz's movements up ahead, the high need tiptoed skulk of a vaudeville fiend up to no good at all and that's totally what i see you know you can almost see the shadow dun, dun, dun. like yeah yeah uh high need tiptoed skulk of a vaudeville fiend up to no good at all keeps green from calling out to him even if he could have made himself heard over what to him is a roar of blood and breath and hoe Lens moves through the one operative streetlights cone across the sidewalk. And again, that, like, that is, it's screenplay stage direction. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's Shakespearean. You know, here's the script, but also lighting director, you know what to do here because I put it in the fucking script. Um, you know, uh, hiding something out to a Shetland sized dog whose leash is attached to her. So a Shetland, the size of a fucking pony. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Uh, green recognizes, um, the, uh, Gately's meatloaf. Uh, where the fuck are we going here? 
Green and Mildred Bonk and the other couple they'd shared a trailer with, T. Ducey, had gone through a phase one time where they'd crashed various collegiate parties. So, yeah, the uh, the flashback here to the Luau party, which, I don't know. You pull anything here? Um, I mean, it's... kind of a sad funny story that you know uh, uh it it kind of just it's i feel like this part to me is kind of interesting how he weaves these like backstories in with like with mostly just with bruce here but with the parents and with this it really reminds me of like at the very end with hal in like the weston house when he starts sort of going back in, in his brain, thinking about when he was a kid and, um, you know, it's just, you know, the eat the rich patch on his crotch and the, you know, gasoline dyed orange hair, Bruce green. And, you know, it, uh, it, it, you know, so it's a is sad it, story for sure. Is it that the present is so much that he'd almost rather revisit this stress the stress of what's happening right now the only thing he can do to get away from that is to think back and and think back on whatever you know the the luau music is making him kind of just like yeah yeah Yeah. that's not what i take about it in the same thing with hal at the end it's you know um you know i think the same sort of the same situation i think that these two parts are really written very similarly um yeah i think that when we you know whether we talk about substances or experiences or anything when we get in over our skis a little bit we we try to reach back to something familiar Mm -hmm. um i think of another family member who's older than me and is not his name rhymes with mad. Um, one time we took him out for his birthday, him and my uncle, and we gave them acid. Um, and they were out of their fucking tree, of course. And my dad is no stranger to drink. So I just remember him just like trying to be like, no, I don't know what is happening in my head right now. But I know a safe place is in booze land. So <laughs> I'm going to, and I'm like, no, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work this time, yeah. Dad. Yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you can kind of see that when things get squirrely, even if it's not a safe place you go to, it's a familiar place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love until he got so blind, drunk. His sphincter had failed, and he'd not only pissed, but also actually shit his pants for only the second time ever and the first public time ever and was mortified with complexly layered shame and had to ease very gingerly into the nearest by head and remove his pants. So, um, so yeah, he has to head home with a grass skirt on, and he leaves Mildred Bonk there, eight months pregnant, and... 
and it seems like all these Harvard kids are being, she says that they said catty things about her tattoos, <laughs> creepy boys who talked about moving their lower, talked without moving their lower jaw and asked her things like where she summered and kept offering her advice on no load funds and inviting her upstairs to check out their Durer prints and saying they found overweight girls terribly compelling in their defiance of cultural ascetic norms. Um, basically it's two different worlds yeah. at least. Yeah. Like, so they were going to like party it up in a different world. Yeah. And, you know, much like if you and I, Kevin, uh, visited Mexico on an all you can drink tour of water facilities, yeah. um, we'd probably have a similar reaction Yeah. and the Mexicans would be just fine. Yeah. So, um, Bruce Green comes back. He sees Lens holding a little can of something up over one side of the fence's gate and dribbling something onto the gate, holding something else that suddenly engages the dog's full attention. For some reason, Green thinks to check his watch. <laughs> of course he does. Uh, there's bitter smelling material from his ear on Green's finger which he can't help but sniff. He's forgotten and left the other finger in his ear. He's now pretty close, standing in a van's shadow just outside the pyramid of sodium light from the street light, like two houses down from the source of the grisly sound, which all of a sudden is in the silence between cuts of Ho's early Don Ho. Yeah. So that green... So, so basically lens kills the dog and then the fucking music stops. Yeah. And now all I can picture is like a Benny Hill type of thing. Yeah. Where it's literal mayhem. Um, yeah. Yeah. So green is sitting there. He doesn't know what the fuck to do. Lens drops his mustache and, fucking screws and Which you can also picture you know like you can also picture, just like you can picture him like tiptoeing you can picture him just like booking ass <laughs> with his coat like flying out in the back uh, in the back looking like batman running you know yep. the brainerd road uh you know cutting down an alleyway and you know using all his shortcuts to get back to uh uh you know edit. yes yeah. absolutely um and again, here's Bruce Green. He doesn't know what the fuck to do, right? Yeah. You know, it's even, you know, through the narrative. Like, I think Bruce Green knows what is happening, but he's not able to articulate it. Yeah. He's not able to say. Yeah, Randy picks up the dog's head, slits the dog's wrist. There's blood everywhere. And the Hawaiian guys are really pissed off. Yeah. Instead, it, it's more described. And you can figure it out. Yeah. You know, you can figure out how you feel about it. Um. Part of the instrumental sounds sound like a harp on acid. Part of the instrumentals sound like a harp. Part of the instrumentals sounds 
you can't have two S's, right? Back to back like that? Yeah. Part of the instrumentals sounds like a harp on acid. What what what, uh, what paragraph or what's the uh... Uh, page five eighty six? Just uh, about two thirds of the way down, the line after my lovely Luana Una Lua lady, a song that's always made Green want to put his head through a window. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the instrumentals sounds like a harp on acid. I would say part of the instrumental sounds like a harp on acid, or part of the instrumentals sound like a harp on acid. Yeah. Yeah. But um, hollow log percussives is beautiful because I can see it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, Green is still in this space with the music mm -hmm. while the dog is bleeding out. Uh, Green's having way more than one thought PM now per minute, I have to assume yeah. that means. Uh, the squeak of the gerbil wheel starting to crank deep inside which again is a very funny way to think about your own thinking. Yeah. That there's a gerbil wheel happening in your head. Um, so yeah, green's the type that can recognize a JBL speaker and Molson green bottle from way far away. <laughs> a developed thought coheres. Ho's voice has the quality of a type of ointment. Any displaced and shaggy knuckhead in these windows chancing to look out into the yard now would be able to probably see Lens depositing another chunk of meat in front of the pet and removing something from up near his shoulder under his top coat as he's melting stealthily all the way around behind the dog to sort of straddle the big dog from the rear, easing the last of the loaf down in front of the dog, the big dog hunched, the crunch of Don's cornflake topping and the goopy sound of a dog eating institutional meat. The arm comes out from under the coat and goes up with something that looks like it would glitter if the window's yard light reached far enough. Bruce Green keeps trying to wave his breath out of the way, which is just fucking like, like you could. No, I got to see like fucking crazy. To straddle the big, uh, the crunch of Don's cornflake topping and the goopy sound of a dog eating institutional meat. The arm comes out, Lens's fine coat billows around the dog's flanks as Lens braces and leans and gathers the hunched thing's scruff in one hand and straightens up with a mighty grunting hoist that brings the animal up onto its hind legs as its front legs dig frantically at empty air, and the dog's whine brings a lay and flannel shape to the lit space above one speaker overhead. Again, the JBL being the point that Green recognizes, yeah. not the French window, you know. Uh... The music balloons with, oh, there's a lightless arc from the spot Lens's hand crossed, the arc splatters the gate and the sidewalk outside it. Of, of course, that's blood, but yeah. it's described as a lightless arc. Like in The Simpsons, when Barney ends up in a tub of water, he says, I'm, I'm surrounded by colorless, odorless liquid. <laughs> um, 
the music balloons without cease, but Green hears Lens say what sounds like, how dare you, with great emphasis. Um, and, yeah. So, now there's a fucking dead dog. Yeah. And now he thinks, and he stops between two trees by the street in front of 416, wanting to call to Lens and feeling the strangled aphasia people feel in bad dreams. And so just stands there between the tree trunks, still with a finger in one ear, looking. Because how can you not? Like, you know, there's the expression, you got to watch the car crash. Yeah. What do you think? You gonna head home at this point? Say yo, neatly, I made it. He, you got to feel bad for Bruce because he really is like in a deer in headlights, fight or flight, and the chance to fight is over. And he's just like, I have to freeze and hope that they don't see me. Yes. You know, he's just like, I can't. I'm too big to roll underneath this car. You know, but like, he's just like the chance for me to screw backwards. That. That is long gone. Yeah. I'm too big to fuck, and I don't care about fucking anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's just, he's like, he's, you know, and he ends up getting lucky by not getting seen, you know, by just, hopefully if I just stand really still and don't attract any attention, they will just go screwing on. And that's pretty much exactly what what ended up happening. And, you know, I think he's just sort of like, uh, 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 you know, kind of like taking one step forward, one step back, like, Oh Jesus, you know, I'm too, too sober for this situation. Absolutely. The way lens stands over the hull of the big dog is like you stand over a punished child at full height and radiating authority. And the moment hangs there distended like that until there's this shriek of long shut windows opening against the hoe and the dire sound of numerous high-tempo loggers' boots rushing downstairs inside 412. The creepily friendly bachelor that lived next to his aunt had had two big groomed dogs, and when Bruce passed the house, the dog's toenails would scrabble on the wood. I've heard that sound. I, I have, Dave. Like... This seems like a funny place to put it in there. Yeah. Like, but, uh, Lenz's arm with the knife. So now, I mean, there was no mention of the knife before, but now there is like, you know, there's the allusion to it before, uh, Lenz's arm with the knife is up again and ungleaming in the street's light. It's ungleaming because it's covered with blood, I presume. Yeah. Uh, as Lenz uses his other hand on the top of the fence to vault the fence sideways and tear ass uphill, up Brainerd in the southwest direction of Enfield. So, so his guiding light in life to stay northwest is suddenly abandoned once, yeah. you know, his coffer is filled. Uh, making a quality sound on the pavement and his open coat filling like a sail. This reminds me of uh, when Ortho and Hal play tennis. There's the talk of a sail, and I believe somewhere else there's a talk of a sail like a shadow. Yeah. Um, yeah Jeffrey Day. Yeah. 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 Talking about the uh, addiction 
and know, the, you know, the, the violin and the uh, window box fan. Yes. Then yeah. that, that he talks about the uh, resonance producing that uh, sale type thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that whole thing with the ortho and how when we get to that, that's always been a little bit of a oh weird, a weird little bit that I've always like, what are they, what were they getting like getting at with that? But, See, I think that that is the play within a play. Okay. Like Hamlet. And everybody slash most people think that if there is a play within a play in this book, mm-hmm. it is Mario's show. Yeah. And then I guess there's two because to me, Hal and Ortho, it is more like the Hamlet because in Hamlet, everybody is there to see the play, but everybody is watching everybody else and not the play. You know, so, so uh, Rosie and Gildy are watching the queen and Hamlet's watching the king and Ophelia and Polonius is watching Hamlet, Mm. but no one's watching the fucking play. Hmm. which is it seems to me more apropos there hmm. the people are watching steeply listening to steeply's conversation with putrincourt we'll get there kevin yeah you're not I'm, far away i'm sure i hope not because i gotta tell you this shit's boring the life out of me um <laughs> there is a montego the original massive knock with the baggie clutches his head to signal edge. To, oh, you're saying uh, Pat Montesian has an Aventura. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A, a, a 64 Ford Adventure or whatever. You say. All right. That makes sense. The Montego really rang a bell. A, a bearded guy so huge a Hawaiian shirt looks tight on him. He's picked up the meatloaf's baggie. Another guy without very much hair picks what looks like a white caterpillar out of the dark grass and holds it up delicately between his thumb and forefinger. Of course, his lens is fucking fake mustache. Yeah. Like the Hawaiian music has apparently stopped. Uh, A thick girl in a horrible grass skirt is saying, several times. There are obscenities and heavily accented stop phrases like stop. And there he goes. With pointing, <laughs> it, it it is. It's like fucking Benny Hill. <laughs> it really is. Um. So yeah, several guys are running after Lens, but where the like? How hard can it be to find this fucking guy? Yeah, it's like, a little bit of a head start. But his loafers it. ring down the hill, like. Yeah, uh, lays two parentheses as it 180s professionally. Um, so yeah, there it's like the Nucks are still milling around the yard in a way that's indescribably foreign <laughs> as the one Nux staggers in circles under the weight of the expired dog saying something to the sky, Oh, Dios mios. I made that up. I was just going to say, did he actually say that? No. I was like, wait a second. (laughs) Green is getting to know this one tree very well. 
spread out against its lee side and breathing into the bark of the tree so his exhaled breath won't plume out from behind the tree and be seen as, as an accomplice's breath, potentially. Paragraph break. Mario and condenses. Jimmy, night. one thing real quick. Yeah. So, so, and then across the street, we've got mm. what the members of the AFR, like what, who, you know, I mean, un, unnamed, but, you know, yeah. Obviously working counter surveillance, yeah, right? On the, on the Canadians. Yeah, exactly. So they're, yeah, so no, that that's a great point, Kevin. Then in a great spot for it. So, so who are these fuckers whose dog Lens just killed? Yeah, probably like the FLQ. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, like by the description, it sure yeah. seems like it. I think so. So here is probably the AFR across the street in another safe house. Yeah, and um. Yeah, and just the 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 power of observation, you know, where he talks about the way that a wheelchair gets real close to a window, like because it has to get close to a window parallel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't roll your fucking wheelchair right up and like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird how you know the the guys across the street like. You know, they're just, they don't know it, but they're like, again, these like druggy American guys are fucking up our shit and they don't even know it. You know, like, like first they killed, you know, Guillermo Duplisi or whatever. And now right. they're like, that, they're like, what, what are they doing? What's going on here now? We didn't expect like what the dog and now they're run. you know what I mean? And now this is like, like they're, it's just. You know. Right, like, like they're probably thinking they're on a mission from God. Yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah, find yeah. to find the entertainment. Yeah, and here we've got this motherfucker who can't stop shooting drugs. Yeah, so he kills our leader, yeah. and this motherfucker who I don't know what the fuck dogs. he's doing, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, in in a very uh downshift to second gear type of thing. Yeah. Mario and Condenza's 19th birthday will be Wednesday, 25 November, the day mm -hmm. before Thanksgiving. His insomnia worsens as Madame Psychosis's hiatus enters its third week. And WYYY tries bringing back poor misdiagnosis again. Um, so, yeah, like, fucking Mario. Yeah, like I almost feel like this. Like it's with the emphasis and focus on television, and especially network programming, commercial television. It's hard to see these sections as anything other than like commercial break you know and then you come back and here's mario and you're like fuck yeah what the fuck just yeah. what the fuck is happening yeah like i love mario etc et but 
Yeah. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. Um, but so there's another mention of a zither here. Um, listening to buttery violins and what sounds like a zither. There's sometimes a scream upstairs, shrill and drawn out. From where CTs and the mom's rooms are, Mario listens closely for whether the sound ends up as Avril laughing or Avril screaming. She gets night terrors, which are like nightmares but worse, and which afflict small children and apparently also adults who eat the day's biggest meal right before bed. And that sounds fucking terrifying. Like, but also there is the mention of that sound from the halfway house. Yeah. Of someone who laughs in such a manner. His nighttime prayers take almost an hour. Like, like, yeah, I, I mean, Mario is the good of the novel, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the innocent, the virginal, the yeah. pure, the uninitiated. I mean, I can keep going on, but. But it, it it does beg the question. Like I think, I think that himself is often portrayed as the or a bad guy, um, and I think it's fairly clear that himself and Mario were as close as anyone. Yeah, and that himself was more of an inspirational figure to Mario than probably anyone. Mm -hmm. And Mario is a, he's fucking nails. You know, he's, he's, he's all right. You know? Yeah. In in two words, if not all right, one word, which he's not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Mario is everything about Mario is right except for the way that he looks. Mm-hmm. And I have to think you know, I mean you have the way that you look, what's left is what's between your head and or between your ears and I think that himself filled Mario's head much more than Avril has because Mario says, you know, he acknowledges, Oh, she would never ask me. She would never tell me I shouldn't be wandering around this late at night, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So somehow himself was able to instill that realness of life and to build character in Mario that is identifiable. Hmm. And I don't know that he was able to do that with either Hal or Oren. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which may or may not be a commentary on can you imprint yourself too much on something that is a product of yourself? Yeah. Like if you're the son of such and such, do you also have to look and act like, Mm -hmm. Mm 
Um, so yeah, also here, like Hal had asked him when he'll start coming back to their room to sleep, which made Mario feel good. Yeah. He keeps trying to imagine Madam Psychosis, but he can't tell if Hal is sad. He's having a harder and harder time reading Hal's states of mind or whether he's in good spirits. This worries him. Yeah. He used to be able to sort of proverbially know in his stomach generally where Hal was and what he was doing, even if Hal was far away and playing or if Mario was away. And now he can't anymore feel it. This worries him and feels like when you've lost something important in a dream, Oren says the same thing, um, yeah. losing something in a dream. Yeah. And you can't even remember what it was, but it's important. Mario loves Hal so much, it makes his heart beat hard. He doesn't have to wonder if the difference now is him or his brother, because Mario never changes. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, that's an ambiguous, you know, is this because Hal quit smoking weed? Yeah. Is this because Hal found out that J-Dubs was fucking his mom? Yeah. Is this because Hal took DMZ? Yeah. Or was given DMZ? Or, or I mean... Or is it because he's forced to confront things that he has repressed that Oren is bringing out of him? Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty clear that he he, he shortcutted therapy, you know, to tell the therapist what the therapist wanted to hear. Um, so... He, uh, Mario ends up down at Ennett's house. The inside of it smells like an ashtray, but Mario's felt good both times in Ennett's house because it's very real. People are crying and making noise and getting less unhappy. And once he heard somebody say God with a straight face and nobody <laughs> looked at them or looked down or smiled in any sort of way where you could tell they were worried inside. And that is super funny and ironical um, because I guarantee the God that they talked about at Ennett's house, or maybe the God that they talked about at Ennett's house was right in line with the God that Mario can understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the fuck it means, but it's got to be something. Uh People from the public can't be there after 2300. Um, so Mario hears somebody playing Madam Psychosis. Yeah. Which Mario has never taped a show of because it feel he feels it wouldn't be right. And again, this reminds me of the Grateful Dead and, and Tim, who will probably listen to this and has teased how DFW has an integration with the Grateful Dead. I, I'm dying for it. But um, there was a big split in the Grateful Dead among taping shows where Jerry said, look, man, once I play the music, I'm done with it. Yeah. 
if you find other use for it, woo! That means I don't have to play it again. And there are other members of the band that It didn't like that they weren't getting paid for it. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say it's it it often comes across as commercial type thing. Yeah. Like, well, hold on, man, we're never going to be able to sell this. Yeah. So there is that part of it where Mario's like, "Look, man, that's no; those are her words; those yeah. are her thoughts." And yes, I'm not going to sell it, but I should have to buy it to listen to it again. True. Um, and he identifies, oh, this is the first year, which again is a very grateful dead thing. This, this must've been her first year because in that year she did this thing. And then she did this True, yeah. further years. There was this, uh, background and you could, yeah. And then he even recognizes that he could probably talk to Hal to find out, you know, the correct way. Yeah to ask yeah. um mario felt like the person behind the flag in the window was also a female mario thinks it might not be out of the question that she might lend tapes to a fellow listener if he could ask he usually checks etiquette etiquette questions with hal who's incredibly knowledgeable and smart when he thinks of hal his heart beats and his forehead's thick skin becomes wrinkled Hale will also know the term for private tapes made of, of broadcast things on the air. Perhaps this lady owns multiple tapes. This one is from 60 Minutes Plus Minus's first year, which, again, this is all repeated. Yeah. Um, like, very close. Um, so do you think that was a tape? Or do you think that was... I think it was a tape. But who yeah. was listening to it? That's what I was going to say. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I would have a hard time thinking it was anybody but Joelle, you know? And especially from the first year. Like, and again, it, my time blindness, I don't understand or remember how caught up she was in the Incandenza world in the first year of Madam Psychosis. Yeah. But, like, so she might be kind of doing the same thing that Bruce Green is doing. Yeah. When Bruce Green says, oh, my fuck, this fucking cokehead just killed a fucking dog. Yeah. And Joelle might be saying... Fuck, you know what started as freebasing and cleaning the house with the love of my life, doing the job, actressing that I was born to do and that I fucking loved. Because of that, this is where I am. Yeah, and maybe this, this is her luau. You know, this is yeah. this is her shitting her pants party. Hmm. Just something to ground herself yeah. that I know this was real because I'm listening to it. Yeah. And I know what was happening at that point. 
And I know how I felt at that point. Yeah. All of those things are just rumors at this point. Yeah. And it's probably, you know, cause I have this down at this part being like Wednesday at Wednesday, the 11th at like 10 o'clock or 10 30, you know what I mean? Like right yeah. before. And um, you know, so it's like, also, she's like, probably it's clear that she probably has some feelings for Don, you know? So it's like, she, there's like that whole thing that's kind of drudging back up all this like old. Um, and we can get it. We will get into that. Yeah. But I mean, I think she has feelings for Don like she has feelings for Air or, or Daddy or. You think? I don't. I feel like she is incapable. She is as incapable of connection as Oren. Really? I mean, she shows up at Gately's bed wearing her daddy's sweatpants. I mean, I don't. I don't know how to reconcile that. Like, I do believe she has feelings for Gately, hmm. but I don't believe that those override feelings that she has for listening to her own voice. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hmm. Like, that's interesting. Uh, Mario had fallen in love with the first Madam Psychosis programs because he felt like he was listening to someone sad read out loud from yellow letters she'd taken out of a shoebox on a rainy PM, which of course Mario does. And he fucking loves it. Stuff about heartbreak and people you love dying and U.S. woe, stuff that was real. It's increasingly hard to find valid art that is about stuff that is real in this way. True. Yeah, and, and that's a postmodern thing mm -hmm. that you know to find to find heartbreak and hope and anything else in something that if it's not real, it could happen. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um so the one thing. Who is this person? Somewhere in one young person Mario's never seen sees him struggling with the police lock and helps him disengage the bar and get the lead block into his lead block into his backpack. Just that little bit of help that makes the difference. Mario is suddenly so sleepy he's not sure he can get up the hill to go home. So who is that young person? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, he might cover it, like, because he does kind of go through, like, who comes home when, you know, and you might be able to go, like, yeah, I guess it could have been. Chandler Foss would yeah, be exactly. my guess. Yeah, exactly. He's, like, uh, the one normalish looking person, or sound, you know, at least described as kind of average and normal boy. Yeah. 
before the hillsides, trees close behind him and reduce the Ennett house, the Ennett house, not Ennett's house. <laughs> um, so obviously the narrator has taken a step back. He's yeah. not talking through Mario. Uh, behind him and reduce the Ennett house to shattered yellow lighting is a wide square-headed boy bent over something he's writing at the headmistress's black desk, licking a pencil and in hunched all uncomfortably with one arm curled out around what he's writing in like a slow boy over a class theme at Ringe and Latin special, which obviously is Gately. And even though we're not, fully in Mario's headspace. Mario recognizes that he's like a slow boy. Yeah. 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 Whoa. All right. I think we're going to have to stop there, Kevin. Yeah. I think we're, I think it's probably safe to, uh, you know. yeah. Like, and again, we're still fucking, you talk about slow playing this climax. Yeah. I'm not even going to use a bad sexual analogy, but holy crap. What's it been, 100 pages? Yeah. Well, at least once we finally kind of get there, you get through it. You know I mean? That's that's the kind of, I think, the thing I thought of the first time I read it and then even this last time is, you know, that last you know, from page 601 to, you know, page, you know, six six nineteen. you know, is straight sort of through, you know, once we, once Lentz is, uh, you know, back at the house, you know, there's no like, and let's talk about cable for a little while, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, you can't, is out here on the mountainside again, you know, it's just like, Luckily, like once we kind of get there, so it is, you know, reading it this time, it was a little bit like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't mind the slow play this time through. Yeah. You can't unring a bell, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what's done is done is actually Lady Macbeth, but, um, yeah. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. I yeah. guess, uh, we will. Forge on and forward. Um, it has been a pleasure as always. Yes, thank you. you. Know. Thank you for doing this. Uh, yeah. yeah, my pleasure. We'll do it again soon. Cool. Thank you, Jamie. Great job. Thanks, bud. Thank oh, you, thank everybody, you. Uh, for your continued support. Uh, you can like uh, the podcast or share it or make a nice comment or, you know, whatever. That'd be great. Thanks. Cool.